Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 243, Human Growth and Development with Professor Mark Hunter. I hope you listen and enjoy. Welcome to Unit 6 in Psychology 243, Human Growth and Development. And this, we're looking at kind of middle adulthood, working and relaxing. Uh, career stage and also some of the biopsychosocial challenges that we face in old age. Chapter 12 of your textbook looks at working and relaxing. And um, most people, of course, work for money, but other reasons that we work are valuable as well. And so this idea of does your, your job, your career fit your mission? I know for a lot of you in our adult studies program, you've decided to make a change in your life, and you were on a uh, you want to have a career that uh, is more in line with what you believe and what you feel God has called you to, and so getting this education is a part of that. So it's a um, it's really valuable to understand, you know, what your sense of calling and career is. There's some different theories. Uh, one of them by a psychologist named Holland is based off the idea that we tend to choose occupations that fit between our traits and our interests, our individual personality traits and interests. And there's different combinations that have been um, identified in this. And uh, so there's, um, uh, and a lot of people found support and this is probably the, uh, the lead, leading uh, theorist for career choice, trying to understand if, you know, what you really feel like your abilities are, are set up for. There are certain jobs I know I couldn't do, and, um, but I, all the different careers I've had tended to have some relationship to one another. Um, and again, we talked about uh, another psychologist named Super, and he talked about the five stages in adulthood where we implement, we start our career, we establish ourselves in our career, we maintain it, we decelerate, and then we retire. Um, one of the shocks that often people get in middle age is the realization that their expectations about their occupation are different than what they actually experience. Um, this happens a lot, especially during younger workers. And I know uh, I've met with some students over the years and they said they wanted to do this and they named a job. And the very first thing I always tell them is, or ask them is, have you ever spoken to anyone who does that job? And um, most of them said no. They said, well, I think that's the first thing we need to do is find at least one or two people that actually do that job to see if that really is the work that it is. Um, you know, not what you think it is because it's on television or in a movie. Um, a lot of times people will be a mentor or have a mentor to a coworker where they're, they're teaching them not just the, the rules, but the unwritten rules about what you do in, um, in that workplace. And every workplace has this, uh, some unwritten rules that you know, this is what you need to do to be successful 
in that uh, location, that new job. Older workers tend to report more job satisfaction because maybe they, they, they've had opportunities to choose more careers or had you know, self-select, uh, but um, unhappy workers tend to quit. So if you're in a job at, in your middle age, usually because it's something that you really want to do. Um, it could be because you get an intrinsic satisfaction. You really enjoy what you're doing. It's a good fit. Um, and so it, it just works well for who you are. Um, one of the things that uh, does affect job performance is a sense of alienation where you're not really associated with um, your coworkers very much or burnout. Um, you know, where you've done something for so long, you're just not finding any satisfaction with it. And it could be a uh, source of stress. Um, usually, um, when we are at work, and we're usually, um, you know, women can choose different non-traditional uh, jobs for various reasons. Uh, there's, you know, they, they find it something that they really enjoy doing, but there's still a, uh, a stigma associated with women who do um, a job that traditionally men do. And unfortunately, it's the stigma is viewed by other women and other men. So it's um, <clears throat> if, if you are a female and you want to try a, a job that's traditionally been seen as a, more of a male uh, field, then it can be uh, kind of a tough go at first until you find your you feel at home in that job and your self-esteem is you feel good about what you can do. Um, women will often leave or may leave well-paid uh, occupations for lots of reasons. A lot of this has to do with family obligations and the workplace environment, um, lack of child care. Um, so providing child care is an opportunity for women to stay in the jobs and continue their careers. Um, a couple of terms that we, we hear these days are glass ceiling, which is referred to as really the limits of occupational attainment. Like, um, in a, your employment, your job, there may be certain higher level positions that are only occupied by men. And the glass ceiling refers to breaking that glass ceiling is a woman entering into those occupations. A glass cliff is something that's kind of been used recently is when there's a, uh, a, a precarious position Maybe the company is downsizing or they're, they're going through this upheaval and they'll put a woman into a position of authority or leadership. Um, and but it's it's sort of like a no win situation. And there's um, and if they're able to to endure that to get through that, then of course that uh, can lead to greater things. But unfortunately, a lot of times women are placed in these positions with kind of a no-win situation. Gender bias still remains uh, chief bear to women attaining uh, occupational development. And again, it's the glass ceiling that we just talked about. 
Um, pay inequity is a problem for women. Uh, usually women are uh, often paid less than men doing the same jobs. Sexual harassment can occur in the workplace. Um, also, age discrimination. When you're over 40, you're, um, the, the being denied a job because you're over 40 is, is, uh, is illegal. That transitioning between jobs is, um, is, occurs much more today than it did in the generation of our parents or grandparents. It used to be where someone would graduate high school or college and they'd get a job and they'd stay with it for, you know, for 30 or 40 years. And, um, but it's very common for people to have five, six, seven different careers in their lifetime because of the, the job that they had just a few years ago is being as obsolete. You know, maybe you were involved in technology that's been overtaken by a new technology. And so your job is no longer um, available. The, um, uh, so being flexible, being able to, if retraining programs are offered to take advantage of those is important to allow you to be, uh, to have your skills needed for your employer. There's a sense of occupational insecurity and um, as I'm recording this, we're going through the COVID-19 pandemic. And we know that for some of you or uh, your family or friends that they've lost jobs that were, um, they've had for years and because of, um, of the pandemic and the uncertainty around that. Um, it can have a traumatic effect on someone um, and either because of the stress, you, I mean, because of the attachment you had to that job or the financial rewards that you have for your job. And um, depending on your age, it can really have, um, be tougher. If, if you're a young person, you lose a job in your 20s or something, you have a lot more opportunities. But if you're middle-aged and you lose a job, then the opportunities are less. And so that can be, um, that can be a problem. You know, it may have some skills, but, um, you, but your skills may just be in a kind of a narrow area. And so when someone loses their job as they are near retirement age, they may just transition to an early retirement. Uh, a lot of people in middle age are what we could use as, as a sandwich generation. And by that, we mean that they're caring for both their children and their aging parents. And um, so, you know, whether a, a mother returns to work after having a child depends on how attached she is and, and childcare available to that. And so, um, and also the environment, do, your, do your supervisors understand that you might have to step out for a a school or a doctor's appointment or something like that. And so all those things have an impact on whether someone stays in their workplace after having a child. Um, even though there's been improvement with uh, men and women sharing the household activities, the women still, still tend to do most of the 
domestic uh, cleaning and activities and affairs like that. And so um, there's there has been some change, but it's um, but it still primarily seems to be the women who do that. Um, dealing with work and family, how flexible is your your work schedule? Do you have uh, ability to tr to do new things or maybe for work from home or uh, a variety of things that allow you to do work and family during the day. Um, that uh, they found that work stress has a greater impact on family stress than family stress has on work performance. We tend to leave our family stress uh, at home when we go to work. Maybe it's a uh, escape or diversion, but if we have work stress, we tend to take that home with us. Now we're in chapter 13, about the biopsychosocial changes occurring at our health care. Some of the, the changes that occur during this time is a physical that we can see. You know, we're getting wrinkles, we have gray hair, uh, weight gain, and that's due to a lower metabolism. And uh, loss of bone mass, which result in osteoporosis. Osteoarthritis can occur during middle age, and uh, that, you know, can onset with the progressive pain and an inability to move uh, as well as, as uh, did earlier. Um, Rheumatoid arthritis is more destructive and it affects more your fingers and your wrist and your ankles. Um, we reach an age where we're no longer able to uh, bear children or have children. Men, women go through menopause somewhere usually in their 40s or 50s. And um, the, um, you know, it also affects estrogen levels, which can have... Um, you know, deal with physical changes. And so there's been different types of therapy that have been with hormonal therapies that have approached to deal with menopausal systems. Um, men uh, can still be fertile as they, as they age. And uh, it, it tends not to have, aging doesn't tend to have the physical changes affecting the sexual response as much as it does for women. How do we deal with... Uh, physical changes in our health. In, when we're dealing with stress and coping, um, it's stress really relates to how we appraise a situation. Situ you know, the situation occurs in and of itself. It's objective. Our stress level is often object, uh, subjective where we're able to, you know, is this a terrible situation or is it just more of an inconvenience? Uh, so, um, a lot of times it's not these big event once in a lifetime stresses that occur, but a lot of times just the daily accumulation of stresses that uh, tend to affect our health. Um, if we've had long-term stress, if we've dealt with a situation for weeks or months or years, that can really affect our immune system, our cardiovascular system, and it can affect mental health as well. One of the biggest things that people can do in middle age is aerobic exercise, meaning getting your heart rate up. 
and uh, were you able to sustain that over a certain amount of time? The um, um, you know not everyone has to run a marathon, but getting uh, activity whether it's walking or running or some kind of sport where you're uh, elevating it helps not just in your physical well-being but also your mental health as well you're producing um, dopamine and serotonin and you're just getting lots of rewards as we found it actually helps us cognitively as well um, when we're middle aged our intelligence is more formed with the crystallized intelligence I spoke of earlier and uh, how to apply that applicate that intelligence in new situations. And even though maybe our fluid intelligence adapting to new situations may decrease some, um, the, um, we're able to accumulate expertise, you know, years and years and hours and hours of of experience that help you to understand and think through a situation quickly and adapt to it quickly. We tend to become experts in something during our lives. Uh, whatever job you're in, if you're into it long enough, um, you know, you're able to, to understand how things work. And when we're speaking about an expert, we really tend to think we tend to think in more flexible ways in compared to people who are novices to this field and often can kind of skip steps to get to the solution. And um, so we tend to become experts during our middle age. We, we tend to have more life experience and we've had those number of hours that we devoted to that field or topic or whatever it is and we're able to think quickly on that. Personality is measured in a variety of ways. Uh, the, currently, the most uh, popular way is the Big Five. And you, if you've had a personality class, you understand that. It, it talks about areas of neuroticism, extroversion, openness to experience, agreeableness, and conscientiousness. And um, as opposed to some theorists where you're put in, you're labeled a certain type of person. In the big five, you're on a continuum. You're, you have more or less of that particular uh, quality. And these combinations of those can result in different types of personalities. Um, usually in adulthood, in our middle age, we're, we're pretty stable in who we are and what we, um, what we will become. Erickson said that in middle age, we become more concerned with doing for others and passing social values on to the next generation. Uh, he called this generativity. And, um, and those, he thought that if you aren't able to do this, you're achieve stagnation. Where someone is middle age, where they, they're concerned about what can I pass on to this next generation? What can I uh, do for them? And so a lot of times uh, people will either take a mentoring role or they'll be involved in a church or some other activity where they can share this information. Um, during middle age, uh, women or mothers tend to become what we refer to as kinskeeper. 
And what they do is keep the family traditions alive. It's a way to linking past and future, uh, older and younger generations together. Meaning, think about this, when you're at Christmas time or Thanksgiving or whatever celebration, who is the one that tends to organize things? Whose house do you go to? And, um, and how do you link all these things together? So those are uh, the kids keepers. Um, and again, we refer to this often as a, as a sandwich generation because you still may have younger children to care for, but you also may have older parents to care for as well. Um, as children grow out of adolescence, the relationships between parents and children change. Um, most parents kind of look forward to having an infant nest. Not that they don't love their children, but they they want to be able to have a little bit more freedom. Um, the uh, um, but once children leave home, it doesn't mean they're out of your life. It, it means that maybe your your source of support comes in different ways. Maybe more emotionally, or giving guidance or direction. Um, we've seen recent times uh, younger. Um, young adult children move back home, and this could be for a variety of reasons, um, you know, primarily financial. Most, the, both the children and the parents aren't really huge fans of the situation and uh, hope to see it as more of a temporary. Um, women tend to have the role of caring for older parents, whether it's uh, the daughters um, or daughter-in-law. And so it can be stressful because the, the situations with older parents um, may be okay for a while, but you know eventually they're, they're going to get worse due, due to physical health or maybe cognitive health. Um, and so depending on the situation, it could be the financial pressure can be involved as well. Um, so women tend to have this caregiving role, which uh, many happily take on, but it also can be stressful. Becoming a grandparent, and this can occur during middle age, means assuming new roles. And uh, so you probably experienced this yourself is that your parents, then they became grandparents, and they became like these different people. And like, what do you mean you're allowing them to eat ice cream and cake all the time? You know, because they don't have the responsibilities of raising them like you do. They can kind of spoil them. And so, um, you know, grandparenting can be a great time for interaction and something that a lot of people in middle age look forward to. Well, that ends Unit 6, and I'll see you in Unit 7.